Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Today, my guest is Lana Nelson, author and a practitioner of energy medicine. Hi, Lana. Hi, so good to be with you here, Don. Really good to have you on the podcast. So you are the author of a book called The Food Codes. And yes. thank you very much. I received it on Kindle and I'm about halfway through. I'm going to finish that. It's it's a wonderful book. You're a wonderful writer. And the information was that I've read so far, and I'm assuming the rest, was was fascinating. So thank you. Let's talk a little bit about the book. I'm assuming it's about, from what I've read, it's about your relationship with food. It is. You bet. Um, it is about relationship with food, and how this book came about is an interesting thing. Actually, I worked with my husband, Dr. Bruce Nelson, in his practice. We worked with a lot of people who uh, he's a, a holistic chiropractic physician. And he worked mm -hmm. with a lot of people who were very ill. And a lot of times with energy medicine, people seek out the medical approach first. And if they don't get exactly, you know, the results that they need, um, they can, they keep searching. And that's, that's in the past. A lot of people are going there first now, but, um, in the past, that's what people did. Finally researching, mm -hmm. you know, going to natural, natural methods. So with, that I worked with my husband in his office with very, very ill people. And he did wonderful uh, sessions with them on relieving discomfort, all sorts of the body and, you know, anywhere in the body, uh, people who had problems with walking or internal problems, you know, diagnosed diseases and so forth was helping them tremendously. And with my history, I actually, about 10 years before I met my husband, I was in a car wreck and I had significant damage with a head, neck, shoulders in uh, an accident and which I suffered for 10 years of uh, headache, pain and, you know, pain from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head. And I said one day, I started using natural uh, medicine that was like in the um, mid eighties, I guess, about the mid eighties, I went to it. One of my neurologists said, go to a chiropractor maybe and see about that neck of yours that you're having such a problem with. Well, fast mm -hmm. forward that I was giggling with a friend of mine one day and I said, you know, I should marry a chiropractor. I'm seeing one three times a week. And lo and behold, <laughs> I actually met my husband on a blind date. And he specialized in, you know, helping people with chronic pain and, and fatigue and things like that. So fast forward that about two weeks later, I'm totally out of pain for 10 years. We fell in love, got married, and there's a lot to that story. You can read some of it in my book. But anyway, as, um, mm -hmm. and I had a dental lab in those days, I was in the dental profession and I was so fascinated with what my husband did. I started working. I moved from another city to where he lived and uh, kept a satellite practice for a while. But I started getting so 
interested in what he did and he pra- practicing the energy medicine. And I said, he taught me how to use his technique, which was called muscle testing. Some people know it as kinesiology, but the muscle testing, he would actually test a person's muscle to say um, if they had an imbalance here or there in the body and then to help clear and balance that. So it was a good um, using your intuition to find. And I said, so he taught me how to do the muscle testing. And I said, you know, I love what you're doing with people. But one of the parts of my healing with um, over the past years was I looked into uh, nutrition Mm -hmm. and food for healing. The my background with food is I was very interested in food and nutrition uh, after I had had a well, even before this, but as I actually, as my family was young and wanting to feed them correctly and wanting to feed them right. So I read all sorts of herb books and, and nutritional books and so on. And later on working with uh, my husband in his chiropractic practice, he had patients come from all over the U.S. and Canada and uh, some foreign countries that were very, very ill. And I said, you, you're doing so well with these, with these uh, patients, but I think that you need to uh, incorporate food. And so using his method of muscle testing, which is kinesiology, muscle testing is kind of like a lie detector test. And you can ask a yes or no question of your subconscious which is your subconscious brain. Your active brain is doesn't record many things, but your subconscious is always on. So your subconscious mind knows exactly, for instance, what foods are best for you and what and not. And it's not usually, or it can be either way, um, the same as what is told to you by different diets and so on. So I started doing a muscle-tested, uh, specifically tested for each um, patient what foods were best for them for healing and what foods they needed to stay away from for healing. So that's basically how the food codes came along. And I I first started doing this for my family and friends and then with our patients. And people kept saying, you need to write a book about this. And so eventually I did. And uh, so that is pretty much how the food codes intuitive eating for every body came around. And as I was writing it, I realized that um, it's not so much even about what foods are good for you or bad for you. It's about relationships. People these days, Dawn, are obsessed with dieting and finding the perfect diet. And you know what? Your best foods or foods that are not good for you are different than my foods or foods that are not good for me. I mean, it's just the way it is. So being able Mm -hmm. to test your foods, like using the method of muscle testing, and I totally teach this to you in my book. I give you uh, pictures. I give you examples. I give you, you know, um, uh, if you have troubles with it, I give you all sorts of ideas on how to overcome those. So, and it's usually very, very simple. 
Very, very simple to do. So testing how to use your best foods, but to not have to listen or be pulled this way and that way by science or your best friend telling you, you should eat this, don't eat this, don't, you know, you should eat that, as our friends are always Yes, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but especially because science is all of the studies done on nutrition or epidemiology, they're epidemiology, I don't even, sorry, it's based on epidemiology. That's really hard to say that word, so I'm going to to say that again. All the scientific research, all the scientific research done on nutrition, it's mostly epidemiology. That's the type of studies they do, testing populations. You can't really do a lab experiment, a true controlled experiment for nutrition, for what people are eating. And so they're just basing it on population and self-reported data. So that's why it is all this one size fits all, it doesn't work. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people, of course, I'm I'm pro-science, but when it comes to something like this, it's the science just it changes all the time as well. And this is why they can't really figure it out. And what's interesting totally. too is that the field of nutrigenomics, it also, it's an emerging field, is also saying the same thing that you're saying, that we can get through our own intuition. It's like the science and our own intuition is kind of merging to the same place, that that people need different foods based on their DNA. So it's really interesting. Add that in there. Yes. And also... At the time of the year, if you think about stress, are we are in a in a total world of stress? You know, um, you could be having stress about your job. You could be your body is constantly mm-hmm. millisecond by millisecond, even you know sooner than that, interfacing with our environment, how we feel, the temperature, the seasons, who's around us, or, or what is going on in our body, whether we're very healthy or whether we have you know mm-hmm. a pathogen or some toxins or something. But asking and learning to do um, what I teach, Mm -hmm. asking your body what it needs now, what goods are, what foods are good for me right now. Because you will see some people that have a really good result um, on a a simple type or a a diet, you know, say they will be doing vegetarian for a while, and they just have sword on that. And yet they Mm -hmm. try that again, and it doesn't work. They might need to put some other thing in their diet. So your body needs, your body needs are changing. So with the method that I show you, you can test for like general foods, what are good for me or bad for me at this time. But let's say you have, um, you have Mm -hmm. an interview coming up that you're really stressed about, or you're in a race, you want to do a marathon. You can also test what is my, what are my best foods and nutrition for that? So you can get right down to specifics. So our bodies are ever changing. So are our food needs. And we're also told and you you touched on this, um, what foods and what, you know, the epigenetics mm-hmm. and so forth, where you live and what foods. I actually teach, teach you how to go into a grocery store and see, well, okay, there's a whole bunch of types of apples. We have the organic over here. We have the yellow, the red, and the, the green apples. What oh, wow. best? What is best for me at this time? Well, not always does the organic test as the highest, Mm -hmm. and who knows why, but sometimes another apple will test as an example. So you, your subconscious, which knows everything and can interface with other, you know, other energies can let you know, oh, it's this apple over here. And so that's, it can interface um, with 
with foods to tell you what's good right now for you or what you should stay away from. I know this is in your book, but could you give um, a couple tips uh, to our listeners of how they can do this themselves? Exactly. You bet. So let's say we're tuning into our subconscious mind. I call it the inner knower. Okay, a real easy thing for uh, most people to do is um, to sway. It's called the sway test. So usually it's done standing, but you can also do sitting if you're sitting on the edge of your chair. So the body will sway forward. So it, first of all is intention. Intending to for the body to sway forward on a yes and sway backward on a no. Most of the time, if you if something is really appealing to you, your body will actually sway toward it. Mm-hmm. And if something is real negative, you see, you know, you know, some people go, oh, and they jump backwards to something that's a negative. So intending, first of all, that your body sway toward a yes answer or backward uh, toward a no answer, you can actually say to yourself, give me a yes. And think of something very pleasant. So as your listeners are listening right now, don't do this while you're driving, by the way. <laughs> uh, do it at another time. But either if you can stand fine, if not, you can scoot, scoot forward on your seat a little bit and just say, give me a yes. And think of something very loving, a little puppy or um, a food that you particularly love, just something very, very sweet and delightful, and feel as your body just sways forward with that. That's your body giving you a yes answer. Then let's just uh, clear that out and imagine that you've had a surprise or something. Uh, think of something that's not as tasteful. For instance, a rotten food, the smell of something really pungent. And your body will sway backward and just continue to think about that. And your body will sway backward. Make sure you're, you know, you're in a position where you don't fall. But, and as you stand, your body will sway backward thinking of something that's a no or a negative. So first of all, establishing a yes or a no answer and you can do it in a in uh, a different way too. Just another very easy way is to let's say your non dominant arm could be right or left, either one. Kind of hold your elbow, your arm down to your side, and bring your elbow up at a right angle. Could be palm facing up or down. It doesn't matter. And intend that as you lightly press down on your arm. That is, it remains strong. You can say, give me a strong yes, and your arm will be strong as you lightly push down. Don't force it, but it will just stay, stay strong. And then you can say, okay, give me a weak no. And as you press down, your arm will drop. You can also test either one of these methods by, um, if you're getting a correct answer, by saying your name. For instance, I would say, my name is Lana and either sway forward, my body would sway forward, or I could press on my arm and my arm would remain strong. Uh, I would say my name is Judy, 
and my, my either at the sway test, I would sway backward, or as pressing down, my arm would be weak. So that's using it, being able to use it like a lie detector test to get a yes or a no answer. And establishing that you can test foods. In my book, I give you an extensive list of foods that you can download. It's like about, I don't know, 12 pages of whole foods, anything from milk uh, to uh, oils to in all the food groups and categories. So you can, for instance, say, are apples a best food for me right now? And you can get a yes or a no. Apples are a good food for me right now. So does that answer your question, Dawn? Yes, it does. And thank you for providing that to our listeners, a little preview of what they can read more about in the book. Uh-huh. So now we're talk- you talked a lot about the different diets, and there's so many different diets that seem to work for one person, and then there's the, the fads. And so how can people learn to-, to tune that out and just tune into what's good for them? Well, number one, read my book, and it's about relationship, okay? So we're searching and searching and searching for foods. Let's think about a baby. A baby intuitively knows good and bad for them, actually. Um, A baby is born, and the first relationship before that baby is born, it has a relationship with food in the mother's womb. It's receiving all of its nutrition from the mother. If the mother doesn't have proper, it doesn't eat properly, the baby is going to take that nutrition and receive it from her body. So that is the first starting of a relationship with food. And then when the baby is born, and as this child grows, you'll notice that you can't, you can't force feed them. They'll just like spit it up or just refuse to eat. And so we get away from that relationship of force of, you know, stopping when we're full, eating when we're hungry. And of being curious, even a baby will hold the food. Let's say a little child in a high chair, they will, you give them a cracker, they, they taste it. They don't hog it down. They just taste it. They feel it. They look at it. If they don't like it, they spit it out. And so that is our first relationship food. As we, as we go along and it's like three meals a day, we have these three meals a day and these are the foods that our family eats. Um, we get away from a lot of those things. And then as we learn more, it's like, oh, no, don't eat that. Don't eat cake. It's not, it's bad for you. And so we start having all these guilt feelings. We really develop a very unhealthy relationship with food. Um, there was a, kind of a test done that um, the cake was presented to a group of like uh, Americans or Westerners, and then cake was presented to the French. And the Americans, uh, the Westerners uh, saw the cake and they equated it with guilt and shame. The French said, party, you know, delightful things. <laughs> so we have, um, a lot of people have gotten away with that wonderful relationship and we've been trained to diet since before our grandmothers. Okay. So what my book is about is that relationship. So tuning in, being able to tune into that inner knower that you already know what's, what foods are good for you and not, but being able to then double check it with um, muscle testing and 
I teach you, I give you some really great uh, energy techniques of being able to test yourself. For instance, sitting down to a table and you can say, okay, eat a few bites of this food. Uh, am I full yet? No. Am I full yet? You're full actually and sat before uh, your body registers it. So that's why we, we eat fast and we eat too much a lot of the time. But tuning in with that inner knower of yours, and the more you you um, you use muscle testing, the better you get at it, and the the more you'll go. I knew that answer right before I tested it with my muscle because that answer is coming from your intuition. So I have a I have a good story if you have time for it or would like to hear it about when I first knew when I was full. Sure, it was. Okay, it was actually yeah, as I was writing great. the book and, you know, testing everything out to make, you know, fail safe and so on. So I made myself and I was I was doing um, the technique that I will teach you on how to know when you're full. So I thought, do I really know that? Anyway, I, I made myself a cup of soup and I started eating the soup. I sat down in a quiet place with my eyes closed, actually, started a tasting it, feeling it, and it was delightful. Just a simple cup of chicken soup. And I got to almost, there was about an inch in the bottom of the cup. And my body went like, almost like a lock and clunk. And I thought, whoa, what was that feeling? I don't think I felt that before. And that was my body saying, you're full, you've had enough. And then there's this other part of my brain goes, well, waste not, want not. You know, you could sip the rest of that. And I said, no, that is my body telling me I'm full. I actually got up and put the cup of soup down the disposal. And it was almost like a euphoric feeling. Yes, I, I'm not wasting. I'm not, I'm honoring myself. So that was, it was a really cool, Absolutely. cool feeling. Yes, it is true. And we also, like you mentioned, we don't sit down and enjoy the our food as much. You mentioned France in relation to the cake, but it could also be, you know, Latin countries. Exactly. Western, That's just one Western example. Western European, France, Spain, Italy. They One thing they do, I've spent a little time there, is they definitely sit down and to Americans, it probably seems like, oh, man, they, these dinners are long or these lunches yes. are very long. And it's true, but they really enjoy their food food and something to gain from that would be, I think it would help their digestion. Totally digestion as well as community. We eat in our cars mm -hmm. in Western culture. Mm -hmm. we, we eat on the go. Do we even know what we just ate? We grab something at a convenience store. Um, I also talk about in my book about community. And I did a lot of research on community, meaning a group of people, whether you are a single, um, having that relationship with yourself, whether you're a family of one or a family of many, you can have that point where you sit down at a meal, make the table nice. It doesn't take a lot, you know, it really doesn't, but sit down with yourself or your family and Think about it. Enjoy it. And we are communal. You know, as human beings, we're communal critters. And mm -hmm. we love that community. And so with friends or family and sit, eat, enjoy. And one of the one of the things that I've also done research on is gratitude, blessing. And my one of my um, mm -hmm. mottos is do your best 
do your best eating, do your best and bless the rest. Because gratitude actually can change the frequency, gratitude and blessing. You don't have to be religious or anything else. Just simply say, I'm so grateful for this food. You know, thank you, food. And and whatever, you know, comes to your mind. But do your best, bless the rest, and it can even change frequencies of food. Absolutely. And you also mentioned in your book, you talked about stress, and we talk a lot about that on this podcast, stress and its relationship to many things that are detrimental to our health, and it can actually contribute to weight gain. Totally. If you've got some belly fat, stress uh, will often put those those hormones with stress, cortisol, adrenaline, and other stress hormones. Think about stress right now. Think about your listeners out there and think about stress. When one incident of stress can bathe your body in uh, stress hormones for hours and hours and when is the last time you had many hours without stress? Many people cannot even say, ah, I don't even remember that time. So stress yeah, exactly. and stress shuts down your digestive system, whether it be emotional stress or physical stress, as we're eating a sandwich running from here to there, or we're, you know, eating something and like, oh my gosh, what do I have to do next? That is not going to digest. Stress takes all the energy from your digestive system and puts it into the fight or flight mode, which goes to your Mm -hmm. extremities. So Mm -hmm. those, the fat, you know, being stored, you'll notice that a lot of people will have like the tummy. And I actually give Mm -hmm. you a fabulous exercise in my book called The 30 Second Gut Flush of how to help reduce stress and release some of those toxins from your body. Doing the different techniques, what you do in your book, or other things like meditation, taking walks, anything that people can do to manage the stress, because the stress is not going to really go away. But there's things that we can do. There's things we can do. Yeah, it's how you manage it. Mm-hmm. It is breathing. I actually give you some breathing exercises in there. And to test uh, test your breathing, okay? We think, oh, well, we breathe. No, there. Uh, maybe we need to breathe through our nose, in through our nose and out through our mouth. Or maybe at certain times we need to breathe in through our mouth and out through our mouth. So you can actually test what are what's my best breathing? Where do I get the best um, the best benefit from air and breathing? You can use muscle testing for a lot of different things. And back to food and diet, we talked uh, about whole foods, and it was interesting. There was something in your book near the beginning about how the chicken breast and the chicken thigh is boneless, skinless. That's actually not a whole food. You think it is because, well, it's chicken, but it's not. So what are the benefits of it's not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, that's one thing I never thought. I thought, oh, you know, even me, I'm like, I try to you know cook with whole foods. And then, but, but then I just realized, wait a minute, I buy those boneless, skinless thighs. Yes. Well, yeah. think about orange juice. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, if you think about, um, you know, foods uh, as a whole food, and let's just take orange juice for a second. Um, 
oh, I'm drinking organic orange juice. This is wonderful. I just juiced it from the lemon. However, you're not getting the benefit of the, you know, much of the pulp, etc. It is, it's not a whole food. It's a, you know, almost a slightly, anyway, so a whole food with Let's talk about chicken, for instance. The you get a lot of nutrients from the skin, uh, the wonderful oils, and from the bone. You get a lot of nutrients from the bones. So taking those apart is actually not a whole food anymore. So inconvenience, you know, we are we are re- taking away a lot with the with the foods that we now get. They're mostly skinless, mostly boneless, and you know, prepackaged and all that. But you're exactly right. Uh, a whole chicken mm-hmm. that you roast or, you know, put in your crock pot or something. And food, cooking food, I want to make a note here. Whole foods and using whole foods and cooking food yourself is wonderful to do. Some people don't know how to do it. There are a lot of different, uh, you know, I teach in my book how to plan ahead easily easily for even someone who has never cooked before and how to simply put chop a vegetable, put it on a tray, put in the oven, and you have all these wonderful roasted vegetables that you can put in salads, uh, you can put in soups. Anyway, I teach you lots of different methods on how to not be scared of using whole food these days and how it's easier actually and faster than ordering a pizza and so much more nutritious. It is amazing because it is true. A lot of, there's a lot of us who either don't know how, I mean, I had to, my mom taught me a lot of cooking. I was fortunate, but sometimes, you know, my mom, she was home with us and then she went back to work at 14, but sometimes people are working two jobs and they, they don't have the time. They, they, nowadays people don't have time and they also can't pass that information on to their kids. So I feel that the art of cooking will, can be lost not by anybody's fault, but just because people are doing what they can to survive and they're going to cut corners. But there are ways, like you're saying, there are ways to, to still do this, even if you have not enough time, limited funds. Yes. You would be surprised. And people are afraid to cook, okay? Mm-hmm. I, you know, in my book, I actually teach you how to get rid of that fear. It's like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I don't know how, and I'm afraid of that. So I teach you how to release your fears around cooking, be more comfortable, and um, so that you do feel about that. And if I teach you how, if you've never even boiled water, you can easily make all the like wonderful beans and soups and stews and vegetables, um, just whatever your body requires. And then the cool thing about it too is getting back to the way our grandmothers or even some of you listeners, great grandmothers mm-hmm. cooking out there, um, how to formulate a recipe. Cause you might have a recipe for stew and it calls for, you know, only about half the things that, are good for on your food plan that are really good for you. And it's like, no, I can't eat that or that. So for instance, a recipe template would be, let's start with six cups of water or six cups of a broth, whatever flavor you'd like. And then let's add five cups of a combination of vegetables, could be greens, legumes, onions, carrots, celery, 
the things that are good for you on your plan, salt and pepper that to taste. And then from there, you could, uh, you could go to making it Mexican or making it Italian or Moroccan. And I give you those ideas with using different spices. So one recipe template, you could actually take it to just a simple soup using your vegetables, your, your best foods basically into anywhere that you want. So you don't have to have a lot of recipes, just some templates. I love that. The recipe recipe templates. So sometimes if you're following a recipe and you go, oh shoot, I don't have this spice, you know, but you can adapt it and make it different. Uh, yes. Maybe if it's Moroccan instead, well, okay, maybe I'll make it a Mexican version. Exactly. Use what you have on hand. That so that's what's so useful as well. Learning to cook this way, the way our grandmothers did it, so you can look in your fridge and you've got your best foods in there because you've already bought them and you go, okay, mm-hmm. well, let me see. I have this, this, that, and that, and I can make a soup out of it. I can make a casserole out of it. I could do, uh, you know, all the chop all this and even put a couple of uh, legs of chicken on there and put it in the oven and just roast it for a while, and I have dinner. And I have lunch the next day and so forth. So Wonderful. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? About, of course, we can talk about, maybe I should not say sign off yet. I didn't mean sign off. I was going to kind of work towards closing it, but I it's just, uh, this is just, I'm going to edit this out. Is there anything else that you would like to, to touch on? Because I've touched on most of what I wanted to. Okay. Um, well, let me think. Um, well, I give uh, examples of how other people have used it. That's really beneficial. Okay, sure. I can so do you have any examples of how other people have used the information you present in your book? Yes, ma'am. I actually give examples of people who have done their own food plan I teach you, I show you that example of their high energy foods. So it's about energy, okay? Uh, Their Mm -hmm. high energy foods. For instance, I give you an example of a mom, Rachel, and her best foods and foods to stay away from. And then I show you how Rachel has used her food plan to make uh, vegetable soup or make a bean chili. Um, and then I also give a family's, uh, another family's idea of how they use their, their foods, a mom and a dad and their little girl and how to get her to eat some ideas for, you know, kids want all the treats and goodies and stuff. So I'll give you some ideas of how to just make some easy foods. And then I've got another, um, example in there of a gal who is a runner. She's lost, um, you know, much weight using this system and uh, has done a lot of marathons. She gives some ideas of how she's used her food code plans. So teaching you how to do it, giving you recipe templates, clearing your your hangups to eating your your best foods, teaching you how really to never diet again, and then giving you ideas of how people have used that. How to also I teach you how to how to go to a salad bar and or use a menu. So teaching you how to use it use it when you eat out and then teaching you also how to shop. And so I think it's pretty all inclusive about food and how to help you literally never diet again and feed yourself well and have a wonderful relationship 
with yourself and food. I love that. And I'm sure the listeners are going to find that very valuable because like you said, we've been dieting since before our grandmother's time. Yeah. It's almost instilled within our psyche, our collective psyche, is. that we always have to be on a diet and there's always a new one. And and I, I love the information that you've provided. Lena, Thank you so much. Today. Thank you. Now, where can people find out more about you and where can they buy your book? I've got a wonderful website with lots on it, even free stuff. You'll want to click on that tab and get some free stuff. But thefoodcodes.com, codes with an S, thefoodcodes.com. You can get my book on the website or you can go to amazon.com to get my book anywhere you are in the world. So you can, that's how you can contact me and Find out how to do your own food codes. Wonderful. And thank you very much, Lana, for joining us today on A Teaspoon of Healing. And really love the information you presented and hope that you know, people will, will learn to, to trust the relationship with food will change. Like It's really fascinating. And I really liked talking about the non-diet approach. It's really refreshing. Thank you, Don. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Susan, you remember the time we were in Orange County? We were driving around and we got lost and we ran into this place called Avila's El Ranchito. You remember the place? The place had awesome decor and authentic margaritas. Did you know that Avila's El Ranchito has been around since 1966? They have 13 locations throughout Orange County. Visit Salvador Avila's location in Lake Forest and Foothill Ranch for great food, ambiance, and specialty margaritas. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.